This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 11th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Even if Donald Trump's assault on Syria isn't a part of some larger strategy, it may still be a harbinger of things to come. John Glazer, Associate Director of Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, discusses how the foreign policy of presidents tends to be shaped and how the Trump administration may or may not come to be fairly conventional. One of Donald Trump's sort of signature, I guess, personality traits, and he seems to embrace it and revel in it, is is keeping people on their toes, being unpredictable. Uh, and some people have suggested, oh, well, the Trump doctrine doctrine such as it may be, is avoid doctrine. So there, the question remains open about whether or not uh, his underlying goal with his strikes in Syria actually signals something that is dramatically different from our previous involvement in foreign affairs, dropping lots of bombs in order to affect something. Right. So uh, first of all, Trump describes himself as flexible, right? And I think that's actually... A, a mask for not really knowing that much about foreign policy and therefore being easily persuaded by whoever he's spoken to last. Um, flexibility doesn't, to me, indicate that you know uh, you're a wise foreign policy hand that can apply different tactics to different situations. It just it just implies to me that he doesn't already know that much about foreign policy. Um, but in any case, he's bombed Syria. And several days have passed, and so there's this sense in Washington that um, the promises of some in the administration that this was going to be a one-off strike and uh, the risk of escalation was minimal, that's kind of largely believed at this point. But I still think that there's a very, very real risk of escalation for a number of reasons. Okay. So what, what are some of the reasons you suspect that this was not simply a, a strike to, I, I, people have called it virtue signaling, among other things, but that it is part of something broader? So this is an important distinction. I don't necessarily think that it was part of something broader and that there was intentionality behind this will be the first foray into a much broader uh, military effort. What I think is now that the strike has taken place, yes, for the small short-term goal of deterring further chemical weapons use, but I think that now that it's been taken place, um, there are several forces pushing in the direction of escalation, or rather, the path of least resistance seems to be towards escalation. It might be that this will remain just a one-off and not escalate, but that is a difficult route for the administration to take for several reasons. So first of all, um, the Russian reaction immediately following the strike was to suspend uh, coordination with the United States over air operations against ISIS. That was there in order to what's called deconfliction, just avoid clashes, avoid accidentally bombing Russian troops on the ground, avoid, you know, um, crowded skies overhead and so on. That alone poses the risk of escalation because if there's some accident uh, that we engage in in Syria and we clash with the Russians, that won't end up very well. Which our- it's always the criticism with no-fly zones is that you're bringing the, the- – miscommunication, the misunderstanding a lot closer. Right. Um, This also may have uh, angered a lot of Iranians. They have several, uh, they have a lot of troops on the ground uh, working with Syrian military 
um, troops and um, you know, any kind of accident in that realm could also lead to further escalation. Or the Iranians could decide that now that America is against the Assad regime, uh, we need to take action against American forces on the ground, and that's not good. Um, there's also this question of credibility. So the administration seems to be putting its credibility on the line here. Uh, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson yesterday said, and I'm quoting, we rededicate ourselves to holding to account any and all who commit crimes against innocence anywhere in the world. Not only is that a dramatic departure from what we thought Trump administration foreign policy was like uh, just a week ago, but it also implies that they're leaving open further strikes that have broader missions down the line if we see some other kind of uh, atrocity take place or what have you. The final leg of this, which kind of troubles me, is that there are Trump is facing perverse incentives in the aftermath of the strike. So immediately following the strike, an array of newspaper columnists and television pundits and uh, elite commentators and fellow politicians who are normally really antagonistic against Trump and critical of Trump without mercy uh, lauded the strikes and applauded Trump for engaging in it. Um, his polling numbers ticked up just slightly. Um, that's probably very, very pleasing to Donald Trump. We also have not heard barely a word about the Trump-Russia connection uh, and the investigations on the FBI and in Congress that are taking place with regard to that. These are all very positive incentives that Trump faces, and it gives him potentially the wrong impression that, okay, if you, get, you engage in military action abroad, uh, several of your near-term political problems will go away. And so... This concerns me for future actions that, that might end up expanding the mission in Syria, which would be, of course, catastrophic for U.S. interests. During the campaign, a lot of people in Washington were very troubled by how Donald Trump had appeared to dispense with a whole lot of sort of conventional thinking, be it uh, neoconservative thinking on uh, foreign policy or uh, you know, libertarian non-interventionist uh, thinking on uh, foreign policy. What do you make of where the administration sits now and its, uh, it seems like a desired or proud ignorance of a whole lot of foreign policy thinking? So, you know, when Obama came into office, he was talking a lot about change. And uh, later in his administration, he criticized what he called the blob or the Washington foreign policy playbook, which refers to this deep bench of foreign policy and national security professionals in government and outside of government that kind of influence policymakers in the direction of the status quo and the grand strategy that we've had and the interventionist impulse abroad. Um, and that criticism played in the Obama administration. It, he, he, he ended up having a very traditional foreign policy, even though he was very critical. And when Trump came in, people thought, you know, this will be a much harder task for the blob to take care of um, in, in, in terms of uh, influencing Trump in the direction of a sort of liberal internationalist, um, liberal hegemony grand strategy. But it's, it's perfectly possible as an outside analyst that I'm over-interpreting the events in Syria this past week. But it, it looks like this is a dramatic turn. So if we look at the broad sweep, um, 
everything from U.S.-China relations, the Iran nuclear deal, the Saudi-Yemen war, Israeli settlements, the Trump administration seems to be, in fits and starts, uh, settling into a rather traditional foreign policy in line with the Washington consensus. If before his position was America first and we are not the leaders of the world anymore, but now it's I'm enforcing international norms against this, that, or the other thing, um, that's a pretty dramatic shift uh, from what Trump came into office saying. Um, and it's, you know, remains to be seen whether this will be a harbinger of things to come or an outlier. John Glazer is Associate Director of Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.